Welcome to the Grove Community Church Sermon Podcast. We're a faith community seeking to change lives, change our community, and change the world. And now to this week's message. We hope you enjoy it. I loved Legos, and my favorite Lego kit was the 1980s version of the Moon Base. Anybody else have the Moon Base? Awesome. There you go. The moon base was fantastic because in the 80s, this was like next level Legos. See, the early Legos were here is a square house that you can build. Here is a police station that looks like the square house you build just here. It's just got different colored blocks. Oh, and then here's the fire station that is just like the police station. It's just like the house, but it's just different colored blocks. It wasn't real fancy, not like it is now. And so when this came out, it was like, whoa! The 1980s were really something, and this was part of my childhood. The moon base. Now, what I loved about the moon base is that it came with the moon rover. I mean, look how fancy that looks. (laughs) It came with a launch pad and... This rail thing here, you can't tell, but that actually slid back and forth. It would take the people from the base to the rocket because that's a long distance. And so there was a sliding thing that slid. It's gray, and there's a guy sitting on it. It's hard to tell from this picture. And he would slide down and then get into, into the aircraft. And then you had this cool space traveler ship. Is it bad to admit that I still have this? Okay, but I'm getting mixed reviews on that. It's not mine. It's actually somewhere in a box full of Legos. Now, what happens with every Lego set is sooner or or later, it just all finds itself in the same place in in a box somewhere, and you can never really put it back together if you don't have the directions. But what I loved about Legos was you could build this out and you'd be like, oh, yeah, that's cool. But okay, let's see what else we can build with it. The funnest part of Legos wasn't the initial build, at least it wasn't for me. It's what my friends and I could come up with. And we came up with some really cool designs and builds. Nowadays, you have this thing called Google, and you can type in alternate Lego builds or whatever, and you can get the whole thing done for you, and you don't even have to think about it. Back in my day, we were like, okay, how are we going to put a new spaceship together? What if we combine three spaceships? What would it look like? And it was a whole lot of awesome. The original was okay, but there was something better. In this series, we're looking at signs of life. This is our response to Easter. We spent the whole Lenten series leading up to Easter and talking about Jesus' path, the teachings that he had in those last 24 hours of his life. And now we're looking at, so what? I mean, there's this resurrection, but so what? And so the name of this series has been Signs of Life. 
Because what the resurrection shows us is that there has been new life that's been birthed in this world. There is a, a new way of being, that God's kingdom is already here and already at work, and there's something new going on. And so this series has been Sundays looking at these inbreakings of newness, of what God's really up to, of what the resurrection really means for us. It's not just a great story that means we're forgiven of our sins and one day we'll go to heaven. If that's all it was, then we would be good to when we went into the baptisms, uh, the water of baptism, if someone would just hold us there. I mean, if all it was about was getting to heaven, the best thing for us would be to become a Christian and then die. And that'd be great. But that's not what Jesus came to do. He didn't come to save you to go to heaven. Now, for some of you, that's a radical thought, but for most of you, that's not, because you stuck around long enough to hear me talk about this before. So what was the resurrection really all about? It's about the inbreaking of a whole new way of being and a whole new life. It's God's kingdom and His power and His glory coming to earth and working its way out even now. Guys, we get to be a part of this new thing. This has been going on for 2,000 years. And so we're going to look at a passage today from 2 Corinthians 5. It's one of my favorite verses, one I had to learn when I was doing the topical memory system, and I had to memorize a series of verses. And this is one of the verses that we memorized it's 2 Corinthians 5, 17. We're going to look at 17 and 18, but this is verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. In this version, it says, the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. I want to talk about this for a minute to really understand what Paul is saying as he writes this letter to this group of Christians in the city called Corinth. That's where it gets the name, Corinthians. It was a letter written to a group of Christians in the city of Corinth. The reason why it's called 2 Corinthians is because it's the second letter that we have found that Paul wrote to the Corinthians. And so he's explaining to them what's going on in Corinth at the time. Where this group of people came in and said, yeah, what Paul taught you is okay, but there's more to it. You need to follow all these other rules that are the Jewish rules. So you need to first become Jewish and then become Christian. Or you need to become Christian and then you need to work backwards and do all of these things that all the Jewish people did too. So all of this is what you're supposed to do, not just what Paul is saying. And Paul's responding to that in essence. And this is what he says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. So if you're looking at this, and you see this sentence, actually two sentences, in Paul it's actually one run-on sentence, but in the original language, but when you look at this first sentence, what stands out to you as the most important key point of this? What's the hinge factor here? What's the tipping point? If anyone is in Christ... So if we really want to understand what new creation is and what it means to be a part of this new thing that God's doing, we have to understand what it means to be in Christ. Now, lucky for you, when I was in seminary, I had to write a paper over in Christu. I did, but what I'm about to tell you, anyone could tell you. It's three simple parts. What it means to be in Christ. It means to understand the story 
of the life, the resurrection, and the new life of Christ. To not only understand it, but then to put faith in it. It is to have faith that Jesus came, that he died, and that he rose again. So the first part of being in, we don't have time to look at all of the examples of this, but in all of the corpus of Paul's literature, when he says in Christ, the first part, it means to be a follower of Christ, to accept him as the Lord of your life and to begin to follow him. The second part of that, to be in Christ, means to be a part of the people of Christ, the body of Christ, connected to other believers. And in some places, he goes so far as to say it means that you are part of, um, of a particular gathering. And so to be in Christ is to have faith and to make Christ not only your Savior but your Lord, to, to be all in for Him. It's to be a part of the movement of Christ, His people, His work on the wor- in the world. And then the last part, which dovetails to the other two, is that the Holy Spirit is at work in you. All right? So when, when Paul says in Christ, he means all of that, that you have committed your life in faith to have Jesus as your Lord, that you are part of his movement and his people on the earth, and that that all comes about because the Spirit is working in you, that the Spirit is moving you and working in your life. It doesn't mean that you get all three of those right all the time. It doesn't mean that you are allowing God to do everything in your life. It doesn't mean that you're not going to make mistakes. That's not what it means. It does mean, however, that you're pursuing relationship with Christ and allowing Him to work in your life. Does everybody understand that? We're on the same page. So when he says in Christ, that's the hinge point. So if you are in Christ, he said, anyone in Christ, So it actually reads, therefore, anyone in Christ, new creation. Doesn't say is a new creation. It's not, that's not in there. In the original language, it literally says, anyone in Christ, new creation. That's emphatic. And oftentimes, we put the emphasis on the wrong syllable, and we miss the point of this. In Christ, creation. Now, what does that mean? So we've looked at in Christ. What does it mean to be new creation? It means two things. The old has passed away and the new has come. Oh, thanks for the clarification. We all good? The old has passed away. What's interesting about this in the original language is that this verb is in the past tense, and it's in the tense that means it's just a done action and there's nothing else. When you become in Christ, your old self is wiped clean. I don't think we understand that enough. I don't think we spend enough time on that part of this equation. That if we've committed our life to Christ, if the Holy Spirit is moving in us and He's guiding us and we're a part of His work in the world, then the old Todd no longer exists. And thank goodness... The old has passed away. Now, I oftentimes want to go resume the body and start picking through it. Oftentimes, I want to raise that dead Todd back up and say, Yo, bro, what's up? Let's do something. (laughs) 
But in reality, the old is gone. So here's the deal. This is what this means for you on the ground right now today. That the old stuff in your life doesn't own you anymore. And it doesn't have to own you anymore. And if it is still owning you and you're in Christ, it's because you've allowed it to still own you. Does that make sense? The old is gone. Guys, put it away. You don't need it. You don't have to have it. It's done. It's dead and buried. It's gone. It's an aorist verb in the Greek. means done deal. Not talking about it again. The old is gone. Behold, the second part of the equation, the new has come. This is a perfect tense verb. In Koine Greek, which is what the New Testament was written in, means it's a past action, but most importantly, it has an ongoing effect. It's a past action that ripples with an ongoing effect. So it's a constant state of being now that happened sometime in the past. Does that make sense? So behold, and by the way, this word in Greek, every time it's mentioned there, it is an exclamation too. It is emphasis here. Behold, the new has in the past come and continues to be and will always be. So when you put those two two ideas together, what we're saying is that the old is dead and gone, it's buried, and we don't have to deal with it anymore unless we resurrect it ourselves and start messing around with it again. The old is gone. Behold, the new, because we are in Christ, came at some point when we accepted Him and we stepped into a relationship with Christ and started following Him and said, hey, here's my life, take take it and do with, with, with it what you want. Holy Spirit, come fill me. When we step into that, He takes over, and at that point, the new has come. But it didn't just come for then. It didn't just happen at camp or VBS or whatever. Or on a Sunday morning, we felt moved by God. It didn't just happen then. It has ongoing repercussions. The old is gone, dead and buried, but this new, it has come, and it continues to show up every day. The new is available now, and it's ongoing, and it never ends. The new is eternal. Does that make sense? And you've heard me say this before. When we hear eternity, we think about time, length of time. That's not what eternal means in the theology of the New Testament. Eternal means quality. Eternal life means quality. So what quality? It's the life that God created you to live and that Christ empowers you to live. Eternal life can be lived here now. It's the life that God intended for you to live. And we can begin that now. Why? Because the old is gone and the new has come and it continues to come and it will continue to show up for the rest of time. God is in the business of reclamation. He's recycling. He's taking your old junk and he's smashing it up through this new contraption and it shifts it and sifts it and then... He gets all that's left that's gold and he makes it into something new. And he continues to do that. He is in the business of recycling, reclaiming, refurbishing, and making it into something new. 
And that's what Paul is saying. He's telling the Corinthians, look guys, don't get this wrong. They're telling you to go back to the old ways. They're telling you that it's all about rules and following the rules and staying in line. They're telling you, uh, all that's dead. Jesus died and put that away. No, he's doing something new. And this new thing he's doing is he's showing up here and now, and he's bringing a quality of life through the Holy Spirit and through his work here on earth, and he's inviting you to be a part of that. He's saying, hey guys, let's open up the Lego box. Too many of us, oh my gosh. Used to, none of this was safe. You could swallow any of it and no parent cared. (laughs) And we didn't wear helmets on bikes. And we set firecrackers off in toilets. We, yes, we could open boxes back when I was a kid. What God's doing is he's saying, look, man, I'm inviting you to take all of these pieces of your life and we're going to make something new with it. Now, this looks pretty cool. It's a street sweeper. Okay, no, it doesn't look cool. But it's a street sweeper. And if you follow step by step, step one, golly, are kids really not that smart where they can only put one piece at a time? Step two is broken down to one, two, three. Follow these steps and you get a street sweeper. Yay! And I think what's happened is too often we take the brochure of the world and we say, okay, I guess I'm going to be a street sweeper. And we start piecing ourselves together and we become some geeky street sweeper. That we were never meant to be. Some of you are about to lose it. I think what God says is, no. If you're type A, you're losing it. I get it. The old is gone. The old is gone. I'm inviting you to build something new. Don't listen to what the world wants to pigeonhole you into. Seniors, you don't have to be like everybody else. You don't have to jump through all the same hoops. You don't have to go through all the same parties. You don't have to, you don't have to dress like everybody else and drive the same thing. You don't have to be like everybody else. No, God's inviting you to throw away what the world is trying to mold you into. And he's saying, no, nah, let's put something else together. Now, I haven't done it, but I'm pretty convinced because I'm good with Legos that I could come up with something much better than a street sweeper and something that would make noises that were really cool, not, but more like, the air brakes. 
And he's inviting you into this process. And he's saying, I want to make you a new creation. But will you let him? Seniors, will you let him put your pieces together? Slowly, with you, build your life. Adults, kids in the room, are you willing? Because the old has passed away. That stuff, what the world is telling you, don't listen to it. There's a bigger voice, a better voice. The voice that created you, that spoke and created everything into existence. That power, that being is inviting you into the process of saying, no, let's build something special together. Will you let him? We hope you found this week's message meaningful and impactful. And as always, don't just hear it, but put it into practice. Until next time. Have a good one.